Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC. Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary's latest book is The Customer Conundrum, Nine Crucial Steps for Winning Customers and Outsmarting Your Competition. He's also the author of The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life and Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at questions at optex.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, optex.com. And now, here's Gary Smith. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Gary Smith Show here on WSDK 1550 AM in Hartford. Great to have you folks along for the ride on this uh, kind of a murky, uh, semi-sunny, semi-cloudy Saturday. I hope everything is going well with your life and that you had a great week. we got a great, great show today. We're looking forward to visiting with Joel Lewis, uh, who is the founder of Startup Dad HQ. Uh, so it's going to be a really, really great show today. Glad to have everybody along, and uh, it's going to be uh, going to be fun. Uh, it's interesting, uh, you know. Joel and I uh, actually met through his sister, uh, Casey Alexis, was on our show, as you may remember, a couple of months ago. Uh, she's written a book called The Moral Code, and uh, we had her on, and she was gracious enough to introduce me to Joel, who is her brother. And uh, he and I have been communicating over the past few months. And after a few fits and starts and schedule, uh, you know, schedule conflicts, we've been able to, uh, to get together. So first of all, Joel, welcome to the show. Great to have you here this morning. Gary, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, it's really interesting to me because, I mean, uh, uh, you know, first of all, we're brothers in the Lord, which means, uh, which means everything. It makes the conversation a lot easier to have. But, you know, I'm, uh, I know that, uh, I mean, you're a Christian, you're a husband, you're a father of three beautiful little girls, uh, yes. and, uh, and then uh, kind of at the tail end of things, you're a businessman and an entrepreneur. Right. Uh, so maybe, uh, maybe we can start off today just by uh, kind of helping our audience get to know you a little bit. Why don't you just talk about kind of your journey, you know, where you've come from, how the Lord came into your life, and, uh, and how that has uh, kind of moved things uh, to the point where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So first, let me say, uh, Gary, thanks again for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, this is exciting for me because all my shows, I've, I do them from home and it's all online. So it's, it's really cool to be here in studio recording live with you and kind of being able to look at you, uh, make that eye contact. It's a completely different feel. So I'm honored to be here. So thank you again for, uh, letting me, uh, have a conversation with you and, and with your audience. Excellent. Yeah. So for me, uh, let's see the journey. Oh man! So I, my one of my favorite quotes is the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, and uh, you know the journey to the Lord has <laughs> that's been a long journey. Uh, I originally got baptized uh, in 1999, uh, and this was full water immersion uh, out in the the river. Uh, late at night, uh, it was uh, it was a, it was actually a spiritual Baptist church at the at the time uh, in New York City, 
And uh, since then, that was prior to meeting my wife, prior to having kids, prior to leaving New York City, uh, which which is where I grew up. Um, And, you know, from that point on, obviously the challenges came. Uh, I was able to get a job with uh, the the company that I used to work for, which was Intel Corporation, moved to New Mexico, which means now I'm separated from my church, right? So, uh, you know, I definitely lost my way. Uh, at times, uh, between between then and now, uh, six months into working with Intel, I got moved to uh, Massachusetts, uh, which is where I've been for the last 14 years. Um, through then, uh, my journey with the Lord has been uh, has been very interesting. But you know, the the Lord has always put for me. I realized this at, at some point is that the Lord has always put very special people in my life, regardless where I was. Um, so in New York, when I was lost, um, dropped out of school, dropped out of St. John's University, which is uh, uh, now they're the Red Storm, I believe. They used to be the Red Men when I first started there. Um, dropped out of school and, and, and was kind of like I was one of those peddlers on the street selling things and bike messenger in Manhattan and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, um, fortunately for me, I had a good base of friends. Right, and my friends were Christians. My friends were progressing. They were going to school. They were making things happen. And one day, I I looked at myself and said, you know, I felt like I was at the bottom of the barrel. You know, when I compared myself or looked at my friends and look at the people that I was associated with, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And um, I kind of sucked up my pride and said, there's a technical school, TCI, which is similar to a um, uh, I forget the other popular DeVry, similar to a DeVry. And I you know, kind of sucked up my pride and said, listen, I'm going to go to TCI, which was a world of difference from St. John's University. St. John's University, Catholic, you know, Catholic institution, beautiful campus, beautiful campus. TCI was in the middle of New York City, uh, right next to Madison Square Garden. Right? It was literally across the street from Madison Square Garden. Uh, and uh, I you know, sucked up my pride and, and went there. Uh, focused, put my head down, did the work, graduated with a 3.8 GPA average. And six months prior to graduating, um, Intel came in and did some recruiting. And I was fortunate to not only take the test and pass, but they uh, waited six months for me. They offered me the position and said, we will wait until May of 2001 uh, to uh, until you graduate to bring you on. So, they they did do that, uh, and it was interesting because around that May time frame, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for Intel to contact me back. And one day I just, you know, the Lord just told me, pick up the phone, make make the phone call. And I made a phone call, and I was able to – this woman, she must have been like an angel because I, I called, and I got her on the phone, and she said, oh, wow, you should be in New Mexico. Like, we're, I'm going to book, she, we stayed on the phone for two hours. She booked my flight, my stay, my, uh, the, the place I would be staying at, my car rental, everything. Uh, and first class flight, right? First time ever being on a first class flight, which was awesome. She booked everything for me. And literally the week after I had that conversation with her, Intel had a hiring freeze. But because she had already put everything in the process for me and I got the offer, I was already locked in. Wow. So she was like, I don't care who calls you after this phone call. Make sure you are at JFK on this flight heading to New Mexico on this date. 
And again, you know, the Lord put someone amazing in front of me. And then when I got to New Mexico, although I was away from my church, my trainer uh, was a Christian, Fred Saavedra. And this guy was amazing. Um, we still keep in contact today. I don't do a good enough job, Fred. I love you. I don't do a good enough job, you know, staying in contact with him. But we 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 uh, communicate via social media periodically. And Fred was the one, the guy who took me to church. You know, my first day there. You know, I was 23 years old. He was like, before you even get your first paycheck, take 12 percent, put it into a 401k, right, and start doing all that kind of stuff. So I just I just been it's been. Uh, a very interesting journey uh, coming to new, you know, fast forward to Massachusetts, meeting my wife um, was a whole nother story, but uh, the, the Lord has been really good to me. And um, 14 years later, I'm still, you know, I, I was still with Intel just ended uh, April 11th of this year. So uh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I was reading on your website, your wife is a NICU nurse. We got to get together her, with her, her and my oldest daughter, because my oldest daughter's a NICU doc in Boston. <laughs> so the yeah. two of them have got to get together somehow. Yeah, uh, that's great, and it's amazing. It really is amazing how uh, how God how God works, yeah. uh, and that He just continually puts people in front of us that we, you know the people we need to talk to, the people we need to have in our lives, whether it's physically involved or somebody just speaking into our lives, is is really really powerful. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, <clears throat> As you were saying back in you know back in April, you finished your uh, you finished your gig deliberately uh, with Intel and uh, and took the step out and you have now uh, you know you've 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 had it for a little while but you've kind of formally committed yourself to Startup Dad uh, HQ. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that. I was I was on your website and I saw the tagline there uh, where you're talking about exploring the intersection between fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and life. So talk to me about what's, how has God moved you to start up you know, the, the business that, uh, that you have now, and what's the real significance of that tagline? Kind of what's your mission? Yeah, so there's a couple of pieces to that. And, you know, as a, as a dad, you know, when my – so I have, we have a 6-year-old, a 4-year-old, and a 2-year-old, all girls. Right? So life is all sorts of crazy right now. And I know for those dads that are listening, they're probably like, it's going to get a lot crazier, <laughs> especially with all girls. Uh, so I'm ready. I'm getting, I don't know if I can say this on this show, but I do have a shotgun. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep it well oiled. <laughs> keep it well oiled. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, uh, we started that headquarters. It, it's, you know, I was very happy where I was with Intel, I, you know, it's not a, a situation where I didn't like my job, I didn't like my manager, I didn't like the company, loved it, right? And, you know, and I had all the commitment, you know, um, because I felt like Intel came into my life at the right time, right? Because <laughs> I was ending my, uh, my two-year associate's degree at TCI, and it was like, okay, I, I just put in all this hard work, uh, got the grade point average, where am I going to go now? And Intel came at the right time, right? The Lord put Intel in, in my direction. And 14 years later, you know, most, most, uh, you know, you look nowadays, they say uh, most people are in a position for three, two to three years, 14 years with one company is, is, is rare. Um, but I loved working there and I moved up in the company um, from a technician all the way to a senior manager. So it was very, uh, uh, you know, I was blessed to be there. But uh, at some point in my career at Intel, I started realizing this company um, values the work that I do 
because I'm getting promoted, I'm getting uh, increase in salary. Is it possible that the the skills, the the work that I do, can I apply that to my own business, to my own journey, right? Um, so that although I loved working there, my performance at the end of the year was still subjective on somebody's decision, right? Right, and it depending didn't matter how hard I worked or at least in my mind, how hard I felt like I worked, that's, there was a salary cap. Right? Even within the grade level that I was in, there's a salary cap. Um, and I didn't want to feel like I was capped off anymore. The other piece that came into the picture was my first daughter was born. And fortunately for me, Intel has this, uh, every seven years you get a sabbatical. Uh, you don't have to work. You don't have to do any research paper. You get two months off paid. Right, Wonderful benefit. And I had the opportunity to spend... So my wife went on maternity leave. She was on maternity leave for about eight weeks. Towards the end of the maternity leave, we overlapped for two weeks, and I was on sabbatical, so we had some time together as a family for two weeks, went to Maine, Bar Harbor, all this kind of stuff. And then I was watching my daughter during my sabbatical. Not exactly how I pictured spending my first sabbatical (laughs) (laughs) when I first started at Intel as a bachelor, but it was a blessing to be able to spend that time with my daughter. Um, and take care of her and not having to put her into daycare, um, which we haven't been able to, we've been fortunate to not have, not have to do that with any of our girls. Um, but that made me realize I want to do this more. I want to be around more. I want to see those first steps. I want to see, like, the first time she actually crawled, I was home. My wife was working, but I caught it on video camera, and, I, you know, I caught it for my wife. So I want to be present for those moments. Um, I don't want to be the dad that's working the nine to five and then just comes home, sees them from five to seven. And then on the weekends, we're doing some family stuff. So I started looking into what can I do? Um, I have, I, you know, I like to call myself a jack of all trades. Uh, and I don't, I don't use, I don't look at it as a negative thing. Uh, actually I have a, a good friend of mine who helped me realize it. You know, you, sometimes you look at jack of all trades as a negative thing, but, uh, I look at it as I've mastered becoming a jack of all trade. I've mastered being able to do a lot of different things. So I, you know, I, I delved into app development um, because part of my story, which we didn't talk about, is I went to WPI, which is a school in, uh, in, in Worcester. Um, and there I took a lot of programming courses and everything like that. So I went engineering degree. So, um, so I took a lot of programming courses, and I felt, well, I could – I could, uh, you know, do app development. So I, I delved into that, delved into a, a couple other things, um, and all those weren't really successful. And then I came across this book by Dan Miller. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dan Miller, but Christian, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And that book helped me to figure out, hone in. You have all these passions. There's all these things you like to do. You love to speak to people. You like to coach. You like to help people through problems. Um, you're, you're comfortable with speaking. Um, how do you take all that stuff? You, you're comfortable with technology. How do you take all that stuff and create something worthwhile? And then the other thing I realized is, so that, that kind of gave me the entrepreneurial side, but then I love being a dad. I love taking care of my daughters. I love being present. I love just yesterday I was out with my three girls, you know, just myself and the three girls, you know, hanging out. Uh, and I'm completely comfortable with doing that. So combining those two things, 
um, helped me and reading the 48 Days to the Work You Love and going through that process. Because I know as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we start to read a book, but we don't actually take the time to take the steps in the book. Right? <laughs> so you and I were talking earlier about how many books you've read at, as a coach and how much experience you have. And a lot of times we'll pick up a, a book like The Lean Startup or uh, a book like 48 Days to Work You Love. We'll e- either listen to it on an audio and as we're driving, but we don't actually take the steps to, to implement. So I actually stopped and took the steps to implement. It took me 60 days. I am a dad, so it didn't take 48 days. But at the end of it, I had clarity. And that's where um, Startup Dad Headquarters was born. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we got a lot more to talk about, but we need to take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to be back with a lot more of our conversation with Joelle Lewis uh, right after these commercials. Who do I play high school softball for? I play for my mom and dad who've never missed a game. Whether they're playing for their teammates, their classmates, or their community. High school student athletes in Connecticut learn important lessons they'll use for the rest of their lives, like respect for the rules and the value of hard work and sacrifice. This message presented by the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference and the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors. Are you happy with where you are in life? Do you have a dream of becoming and achieving so much more? Hi, my name is Gary Smith. I'm a business consultant, life coach, professional speaker, and author of a book called The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life. If you're serious about taking your life to the next level, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially, then you need to read this book. Wrapped around the story of David and Goliath, The Shepherd and the Princess presents a powerful set of logical strategies designed to help you create the life you deserve. As you turn the pages, you'll receive step-by-step instructions that will help you define and clarify your life. You'll then be driven to create and implement plans for achieving your most precious dreams. Visit Optex.com and get your copy of The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, today. Seasonally warm through the afternoon with winds picking up as a cold front begins working southward toward the Connecticut Valley. Low 80s this afternoon, possible thunder this evening through early tomorrow. Then some badly needed showers likely tomorrow through early Monday. Low to mid-60s tonight and the low 70s tomorrow. Near 50 tomorrow night and the low to mid-60s Monday. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. Hi, I'm Andisa. Thanks for listening to WSDK 1550 AM and WSDK1550.com. Life-changing radio for Greater Hartford. Okay, welcome back to the Gary Smith Show here on Saturday morning, uh, May 30th. A couple more days and we'll be into the beginning of June and uh, summer coming up. So hope you guys are having a great time today. Uh, We're talking with Joel Lewis of Startup Dad HQ. And in the first segment, we were kind of talking about Joel's journey to, uh, you know, to where he's at now and and really coming together and taking all of the skill sets that he's developed through the years and, uh, you know, and focusing those skill sets in a direction that uh, that hopefully uh, not only provides a good living for him, but at the same time gives him an opportunity to to glorify God and to to help other people. And that's really what it's all about. 
and, and the tagline for Joe's business is exploring the intersection between fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and life. And during the commercial break, I was talking with Joel a little bit about, you know, the, the real secret is is balance. And, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit more with you, Joel, is looking at things from the standpoint of him, especially there are, I mean, if you're, if you're in a career, like, you know, in a career that you were in at Intel, so many companies today uh, are keeping things as lean as possible because of the economy. And so, you know, uh, people who are working, moms and dads both, uh, wind up instead of having a nine to five job, it's more like a nine to nine job, or you get home at night and you may get a couple of hours with your kids before they go to bed, and then you got to crack the briefcase and, you know, and do some more work before, before it's bedtime. Uh, and I think both you and I have experienced that. But then when you do take the plunge, you know, if you are a, a small business owner, and especially if you're a solopreneur, or if you're doing things on your own, um, there are the additional pressures because, you know, if you're by yourself and something needs to get done in the business, you're the only one who's going to be able to do it. So uh, as you're working with people and as you're talking to, you know, to specifically to fathers out there who, you know, have that God-given responsibility of being the breadwinners for their families and taking care of their families financially, but also being the spiritual leaders and and, and being there, uh, as you have been fortunate to do, to watch their kids grow up and to help them in that process and to kind of partner with their wives instead of it being just strictly the woman's responsibility. Right. What what are the, some of the things, what are some of the keys that you give them as far as how do you go about achieving balance um, between your work life and your business and, and your family? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Gary. And, you know, one of the things that when we before the break you had asked me, like how Startup Dad came about, another piece that was uh, pivotal, pivotal to Startup Dad headquarters was that, um, you know, I – I don't know how everybody was raised, but, you know, traditionally, you know, the man would go out, breadwinner, he'd come home at the end of the day, find out what the kids did wrong, right, and then uh, do whatever discipline he had to do, maybe well, my, help my, with My mom always used to say, you just wait until your father gets right, exactly, home. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I started seeing, along with myself, I started seeing a trend in dads who want to be, who didn't want to live to that stereotype anymore or who didn't want to. And, and you're even seeing it with the, the, the ads that are showing up, right? If we watch the previous Super Bowl, the ads didn't show this bumbling idiot dad who couldn't change diapers, who was getting, you know, urinated on. And you, you saw competent males that were able to take care That's of right. their children, connect with their children. And that was another thing that I saw in the trend in saying, in saying they got to be more dads like me. Who want who who are competent, who want to be present, who 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 are also providing at home, right? Because the the wives, I mean, there may still be some dads out there who who believe that their wife has to work a nine to five and still make dinner, and then there's the dads who realize, no, I need to help with dinner. I need to help with changing diapers and putting the kids to bed. So those are the dads that I'm speaking to with Startup Dad Headquarters. So I'm not, you know, the fatherhood aspect. That's why I put fatherhood in front of my tagline is fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and life. And it's really the dads who want to be engaged, who want to be present, who want that freedom, not necessarily the monetary freedom, right? That's important as well. But the freedom to, to have flexibility and be present with, with their children and but the, as you asked, the balance is the the tricky part, and that that's actually one of my questions in my show. It's we we kick off the show with um, the family first segment, which is what I call it, and uh, one of my quotes is um, 
that I kick off the show with is uh, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And when we go into how do you balance, right? And pretty much out of the 44 episodes that I've done, every dad pretty much says balance is not possible. Balancing, on the other hand, putting the priorities where they need to be, now that's something you have to learn how to master. Because as you pointed out, you could spend hours and hours just on marketing, social media. How do I broadcast my show? You could spend tons of time on doing that because you're, you're the solopreneur. You're the entrepreneur doing it yourself. Tweaking your website. Lord knows how much time I spent on my website alone. But there's all these other things that need to, that are very important, and you have to balance them. Um, you know, we have three girls, and two of them have um, uh, a GI, so gastrointestinal issues. And we're constantly at Boston Children's Hospital which is an hour away from our house, um, but we have to deal with th- these things, right? So the week the week after I took the leap from Intel, I'm thinking I'm going to have all this time. You know, I don't have to worry about going in. And I was working the 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. schedule, which is also crazy in itself. But I figured I would have all this time. And then my two-year-old got sick. We went to Boston Children's Hospital, and then we were admitted. And we were there from Friday to Monday. During that time, nothing's getting done for the business. It's like, so how do you balance all those things? Um, and at the time, that was the priority. I needed to be there for my wife and, and for my daughter. Um, so it's a very tricky thing. It's something that uh, even now that it's been 40-plus days or so since I took the leap, I'm still trying to figure out. And I think it's part of the journey. The journey of a 1,000 miles begins with a single step. And it's, it's, it's really look, sitting down, having that conversation with your wife, adjusting, tweaking the schedule as much as possible um, to try to get some level of, of balance. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, and I, I want to run something by you and see if it resonates with you because I think sometimes that the confusion um, with balance is the way that we look at it. And, and I will admit, I used to be that way. Uh, but not too long ago, um, I listened to um, – it was a brief, like a five or a six minute recording uh, from a fellow who uh, who does a lot of training in the network marketing field. And he was saying that many times people look at balance from the standpoint of like, you know, all right, well, I have to work eight hours a day and I have to spend two hours a day with my wife and I have to spend three hours a day with my kids and yada, yada, yada. And they try to plan things out. And then it never works out that way. Right. And he said, you know, and he said, I think what we need to be doing is we need to be looking at balance over a much longer horizon because he said there are some days where because of the demands of your business, it's going to be 90% business, 10% family. And there are other days where it's going to be exactly the opposite. It's going to be 90% family and 10% business. But in the long term, over 30, 60, 90 days, does it kind of balance out that you are where you need to be when you need to be there meeting the needs at that point in time? Yeah, yeah, I love that, and I, I think you're absolutely right with that. And that's, and and uh, I read this book um, by Gary Keller called The One Thing, right? And it's basically focusing. Uh, the, the premise of the book is basically stop trying to multitask, stop trying to do a billion things at the same time because multitasking doesn't exist. What you need to do is focus on the one thing. What's the most important thing right now that you need to get done? Now, when you're focusing on that most important thing. There's these other things that are important, but not as important, 
And some things may fall by the wayside. So, for example, a big thing with uh, being a solopreneur or entrepreneur dad is that hanging out with your friends, right? That's something that's going to fall by the wayside, right? Uh, at, but at some point, one day in a month, you reach out to a friend. And maybe you end up having a two-hour conversation. Whereas normally, maybe you were having 15-minute conversations every other day or once a week. Well, now it just you just condense it to a two-hour conversation once a month. So you, you're going to have those periods where you're going to have to focus 90%, like you stated, on one thing, and that may be your business and maybe, in my case, being at Boston Children's Hospital with my daughter. But over a longer stretch of time, yeah, it'll, balance, it'll definitely balance out, yeah. Yeah, and I and I think there's another thing that you commented on, um, you know, I, that I wanted to talk with you about, and that is the whole uh, concept. And I I get very irritated. In fact, I've gotten to a point sometimes where I shut TV off because the commercials that are on there, uh, you know, really do portray men as being idiots. You know, like we're incapable of of, of doing anything. And I can't I cannot for the life of me remember the name of the book, but it was written by a fellow named John Eldridge, who's a who's a Christian, and and he was talking about. Um, that you know, how how even within the Christian church, men have been emasculated. And he said, you stop and think about it. He said, you know, he said, in most Christian churches today, if if you as a man work really, really, really hard for a very long period of time, you can achieve the elevated position of being a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, that doesn't resonate with me. And he said, it doesn't resonate with the Bible either. He said, you know, think of, you know, think of some of the main characters in the Bible. Think of Moses. Mm-hmm. Think of Noah. Think of King David. Uh, think of Paul in the New Testament. You know, would you, if anybody had asked you to describe those men to give their characteristics, would nice guy have ever come into your description? And he said, no, it wouldn't because they were warriors. And God says in the Bible that he's a warrior. And so, do you think from that perspective then that as we look at this whole thing of life balance and you know and and really trying to meet the needs all the way around you know, it seems to me that it really needs to start with men being willing to step up and to accept their god-given responsibility not as the boss but as the leader and really say okay I'm accountable I'm responsible it's up to me to find a way to make this happen yeah, yeah, I absolutely. And I, I, I think what's 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 key to what you said there is not the boss, is the leader. Right? I think a lot of people, um, you know, when you read Genesis and you and you read that first first couple of chapters, I I'm sure I'm I'm not gonna get it exactly right, but you know, when 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 God, you know, uh created Eve and it basically was stating that basically was stating that Eve would be uh a lot of people a lot of people read the, 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 that verse and they think that God is saying that Eve is go- that Adam is going to be the boss of Eve, and that's not what it's saying at all. It's basically saying it's a partnership, and that you have to be willing to be the leader of your of your family, and not that you're going to actually rule over. I think is the, is the is the what people tend to think is going to happen or interpret that verse is that Adam is going to rule over Eve and it needs to be more of a partnership and a where you're leading your family not ruling over your family. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh and and I think that there's uh you know a lot of misunderstanding there. Uh and yet when you go to the New Testament, the New Testament is, you know, is pretty clear. You know, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
Uh, and, and when you look at that, that's the sacrificial love that says, I'm here to give, I'm here to add value, I'm here to be a partner uh, in this relationship. And, and interestingly enough, the wives are never told to love their husbands. And it says, <laughs> wives, respect your husbands. Uh, you know, but, but you're really right. It's not about being the boss, but it is being willing to be responsible. And, and I don't know how it works in your home, but in our home, it's always been that, you know, that the major decisions are made together. Uh, you know, and if it gets to a point where there's an impasse, then I'm the one who, who's the tiebreaker. I get to decide what's, you know, what's going on. But again, it's not a lording over. It's somebody's got to be responsible and God has made me responsible. So I will, I will accept that responsibility and, and make the decision. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for us, uh, you know, we're still a young couple. <laughs> so a lot of things. And, you know, I, I've been telling a lot of people this is that when I met my wife, I was working night shift. She was working night shift as a NICU nurse. So these past couple of days has been completely new to us. It's, it's, I mean, these 40 days actually being in bed seven nights a week together is a completely new thing to us, unless we were on vacation, of course. So even the conversations, what conversations do we have before we go to bed or not have conversations? Um, how do we make decisions? Because a lot of times, because I was working at 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., uh, shift, you know, I'd come home and I'd crash three, four days a week. And my wife was left to make a lot of decisions on her own and vice versa. When she was working, I was left to make decisions on my own. So it was like, it was easy because when you're making the decision by yourself, you don't have to consult with anybody else, right? Like I make the decision. I'm putting the girls down for nap at this time, right? Even though we have, we talked about like what the routine uh, nap time should be. But that window, you know, I could play around with it because I'm making the decision by myself. But now we're both present. We're both home. So having those conversations, I mean, just last night, uh, we were up until 1230 at night uh, having a conversation about the next step that we're going to take with our daughter. Because the next step um, that the doctor is recommending is a very impactful surgery. And this is for our two-year-old. And, um, you know, as the husband, you know, my wife is a NICU nurse, so my wife, my wife is very much into the science of, you know, uh, traditional medicine. Uh, but myself, I want to step back, right? I want to look at everything. I want to look at, okay, we have the, what the doctor is saying, and now we're at this critical, we've tried everything that he's, you know, he wanted us to try, and now we're at this major decision point um, where basically they'll have to have a big, uh, a major surgery my daughter will have an incision made and we'll be like flushing out. It, the issue is a GI colon issue where we'll be flushing out her colon every day with some solution, um, which is a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, I told my wife, look, this is how I'm seeing things, right? I've, I've, I've kind of followed along with everything that the doctors recommended and everything, but there has to be another way. Or we have to make sure we look at everything before we go down this route, because this is going to be a huge deal, not just only for us, but for her development and everything like that. So we are having a big conversation about natural medicine and, um, you know, homeopathic route. Um, and and that's, that's, that's the thing that you have to, as the, as the leader, as the husband, you have to be able to step back, right, and, and, and think about what are the other options? And then the critical point part is how do you approach that? 
right? How do you have that conversation? Because the wrong, <laughs> you could say the wrong word at the beginning of that conversation, and man, it's it's going in a whole different uh, whole different direction. So, um, yeah, I absolutely agree that um, you know you have to be willing. The challenge is, uh, I think a lot of males out there are willing. It's easier to not be the leader. No, absolutely. It's easier not to be the leader. Just to abdicate the responsibility and then sit back and criticize when somebody else makes the wrong decision. Exactly. And the response, you know, great with, with great uh, with great powers comes great responsibilities, right? So being the leader, uh, it, it does come with a lot of responsibility. And um, um, But I think it's very important. And, I, and that's why I love the book that Casey wrote, The Moral Code, in terms of, you know, getting back to, you know what? What is it? What's in What's in the Bible? What is the What is God telling us to do, and how we're supposed to be um, as as husbands, as fathers, as leaders? Um, so, yeah, and I and I think too. I mean that as the as the leader um, within the home, uh, putting spiritual leadership at the top of the chart and saying, my first thing to do is that is that I have to be plugged into God and I have to be make sure that I have the right relationship with him, because if I don't have the right relationship with him, everything else is not going to work the way it's supposed to, you know, and being willing to, you know, to involve him in those conversations. And, you know, and not only as much as you need the logistics of talking about here are the alternatives that we have that we can explore, whether it's, you know, natural medicine or whether it's, you know, uh, what the doctor is recommending, but, you know, we need to be praying about, you know, what, how, how is God going to guide? Because, you know, ultimately he's the, he's the physician, he can heal anything. Uh, And so following, you know, following his guidance as well, I think is really, really, really critical. And I think that's one of the things that, um, that is missing in this country. Um, you know, we, I think we've gotten to a point, I've made the comment to many people before where I, I really feel like the Christian church in the United States has fallen asleep. Uh, and, uh, and guys are not involved they're not encouraged to be involved. And there's not a lot of ministries out there who are, who are challenging men to be men of God and to do the things that they need to do. And, and as a result, we're raising a whole generation that just doesn't understand. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's what you brought up is very important because, um, you know, at the, towards the end of our conversation, um, you know, my wife is on board uh, with taking the, you know, taking a look at what, what are the other options. And she asked me, she said, well, how long are we going to do this for? You know, how long are we going to look at these other options? And I said, dear, I don't know. I don't know. We, we try it. We pray on it. Right. And then we wait to see if we get an answer. Right. I don't know if it's because um, my wife wanted a time frame. She's like, do we try this for one month? And then if it doesn't work, then we do the surgery. Um, do we try for two months? And I, I said, I don't know, dear. I don't know how long we have to try. But what I do know is at night before I put the girls to bed, I pray, pray on their bellies, pray on, you know, God, God for it. one. We had a good day. Right? We didn't end up in the emergency room. Right. Uh, we, we, you know, even my, you know, we have the six-year-old and the two-year-old who has this issue, and now my four-year-old is complaining about belly aches. So I was like, oh. So, you know, praying that we were able to, because I hung out with them uh, yesterday, and she had fun. No one was complaining about anything. So praying about that, praying that um, that he heals whatever's going on, uh, or we figure out what's going on. Because uh, to be honest with you, I think that there's something that we're consuming. There's something that we're eating. There's something in our diet uh, we did find a byproduct or an additive in almond milk that actually that actually makes their situation worse, 
Okay. And we've been consuming almond milk since the day they were born. Um, and once we removed that, my six-year-old immediately got better. So being able, just being patient and praying on those things to, get, to let God give us the answers um, so that we could, you know, so he could do his thing, you know. So, so she was asking me, how long are we going to do this? I'm like, babe, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. No, that's it, you know, because it's uh, it's interesting when you know when you uh, I've heard a number of pastors talk about it and say, you know, when you know when you pray, God can give you three answers: yes, no, and wait. Mm. And the waiting is the tough part. <laughs> you know, being willing to just you know sit back and be patient and wait on Him for the you know for the answers and the and the and the direction and the guidance, and that guidance can come in so many different forms right. you know it can come in you know yeah, we stop doing the almond milk and and look at the positive results we're seeing it could be as you and I were talking before you know before the show of you know who does he put in your life? does he bring somebody in who says, well, it seems to me that that this is the situation you're dealing with, and it's like you know one of those aha moments of you know why didn't we think of this before type of thing you never know how God's going to work, but he does promise that he'll take care of us. With that, we're going to take another quick break here, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes with uh, more of our conversation with Joel Lewis of Startup Dad HQ. Hey, this is Daniel Fazina, host of the Divine Intervention Show, inviting you to join me every Sunday at 4 p.m. on WSDK. Divine Intervention is the interview show that features intriguing people who've experienced the hand of God in amazing ways. Moses parted the sea, Jesus drove demons out of people, and even raised the dead. Are these types of events still happening today? Tune in to Divine Intervention to find out as we feature people who have experienced miracles, answered prayers, deliverances, healings, and more. More information about the show, free downloads, and podcasts are available at our website, divineinterventionradio.com. Divine Intervention, Sundays at 4 p.m. on WSDK. I believe in miracles. You know, I've owned this company for a long time. I love what I do, but things keep getting more and more challenging. Taxes, the economy, global competition, they're coming together in a way that may put me out of business if I don't find a better, more cost-effective way of doing things. Businesses are struggling more today than at almost any time in our history. Problems with our national economy, uncertainties in Washington, and the global political situation are keeping many companies from taking action and moving forward. I'm Gary Smith, and I'm in the business of helping companies survive and grow. From cost reduction and productivity improvement to new product introductions and market penetration, I can help you drive your business in the right direction. Call me at 203 599-1467 or email me at gary at optex.com for your free no obligation consultation. Winds begin picking up across the Connecticut Valley this afternoon as the cold front starts working southward toward the region, possibly some thunder by evening. Low 80s this afternoon, low to mid 60s tonight. Some badly needed showers tomorrow through early Monday and gradually turning a bit cooler. Low 70s tomorrow in the low to mid 60s Monday. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. Hi, I'm Aaron Gillespie from The Almost, and you're listening to Life Changing Radio, WSDK 1550. Okay, welcome back to The Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK. I want to thank uh, Zach Hutchinson for being in studio today. Zach's the producer of The Gary Smith Show, uh, and uh, it's great to have him here with us today. 
Uh, as I said, we're talking with Joel Lewis uh, from Startup Dad HQ. And again, going back to your website, Joel, uh, one of the things that I saw there was a quote from uh, Wolfgang von Goethe, who said that things that matter most must never be at the mercy of things that matter least. So from from that perspective, as you're working with people, and this is something I, I struggle with sometimes, too, is getting people to understand the difference between the urgent and the important and to, you know, to set the, the right kinds of priorities for the things that they need to be doing. What, what kind of advice do you give, you know, do you give people as far as how do you go about making those decisions about where do I need to be focused right now and what are the most important things that I need to be doing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and it's it's a um, it's a very challenging it's a very challenging question um, because with a family, you know, it's when you when you're now an entrepreneur and you're a dad, husband, uh, you have a lot of responsibilities, uh, and then there's your own personal desires uh, that you also have to consider, and you know, it's it's like we were talking about earlier. It's kind of it's a balancing act, right? Trying to figure out what's the most important thing to do. You know, for me, I try to start my day. If I if I had to give you a picture of how I do it, you know, I try to start my day. My goal is to start my day at four o'clock in the morning, right? Here's how I kind of get around some of this, and maybe this is a hack, if you will. Try to start my day where I could focus on the things that I need to get done for me. So, for example. Um, I, I recently started doing these 20, I was t- talking to you this earlier. I used to, I recently started doing these 20 minute walks. I live in a development that's hills in 20 minutes. I could walk out in 10 minutes, one direction. I'm walking up and down hills, 20 minutes back. I'm walking up and down hills. I have this, uh, Fitbit monitor on my, on my arm, which actually tracks my heart rate. And I'm able to get myself within a fat burning zone, right? What am I doing there? I'm worrying about my personal health. I'm taking care of my personal health because I, like Les Brown always says, is I want to be around, right? I want to be, <laughs> I want to be around to see my children grow up. I want to see my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, hopefully. So I have to, you know, and that's the thing. You have to, you know, I like the analogy of, you know, when you get on a plane, they tell you, you know, if in case of emergency and the mask comes down, put the mask on yourself first. And then put the mask on the person next to you. Because if you pass out, if you're injured, if you're hurt, if you're incapable to lead your family. You're no a, good to anybody. You're not good to anybody. Right? So you have to put that in, in, in the forefront. You have to make sure that you take care of your, your health. So my way of doing that is waking up before everybody else wakes up. It's difficult. 4 a.m. in the morning is difficult. I'm not perfect all the time. I'm not doing it. But that's the, that's the plan. Right, I wake up 4 a.m. Ro- literally roll out of bed. My my workout gear is sitting at the edge of the bed. I throw it on. I walk out of the house. I consume a protein protein shake, some water. Out of the house, 20 minutes, 20 minutes back. Take my shower, um, meditate, pray, and then I'm down in the office working for two hours before the family starts to wake up. And that's when I'm focusing on the one thing that I need to focus on for the business, or it could be for the family. I might be paying bills during that, during that two-hour time frame. But it's the one thing that that's absolutely needs to get done today because it's very important. Then once the family wakes up, then I'm with the family. You know, we're doing breakfast together. We're hustling and bustling, got to go to school, all this kind of stuff. 
Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of how I approach it. Um, but praying, obviously praying is, um, you know, like I said, I pray with my daughters before they go to bed. We pray at dinner time. You know, uh, we have, my wife and I haven't started praying together. And that's one thing that we have to absolutely fix. But I think that's part of, again, we're on this new journey of being home together. Um, so besides having dinner together and praying then, we haven't actually started praying together at night um, before we go to bed. Or it's it's not going to happen in the morning because my wife is not an early riser. There's no way in and heck, I'm waking my wife up at 4 a.m. to pray to pray with me. So, uh, so that that part we still have to figure out. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I how I kind of go about it. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know that's powerful. Uh, there's uh, a lot of what I do and the work that I do is in the area of productivity. You know, helping people improve their personal and business productivity in a number of different ways. But one of the groups that I have plugged into, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with them or not, is a group called Asian Efficiency. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they have just recently started doing a lot of talking about is creating rituals. You know, so as you're saying, you know, when you get up in the morning, you roll out of bed, you put your workout clothes on, you know, you grab your protein shake, you're out the door, you know, you go for your 20 minute walk, you come back, you grab your shower, you know, you head to the basement to start working. And, 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 uh, that's the sort of thing that they're talking about, you know, is to have like a morning ritual and an evening ritual and to take into consideration the things that are important and to balance that with where you need to be and what are the most important things in your life. So like you're saying, and it's the same way with me a lot of times, uh, you know, if I get up early in the morning, you know, my wife usually gets up around 7, 7.30 in the morning. I'm usually up by 5.30. If I get up at 5.30 uh, and I haven't gotten to a point, as you can see, where I'm, where I'm doing the exercise that I need to do, but you're right, I need to do that. But I get up in the morning, I get down, I put coffee on, you know, I crack the computer, I check my email, and I start working. And a lot of times in that, you know, hour and a half, two hours that I have by myself before she gets up and starts, you know, starts getting ready to start her day, I can get four, five, six hours worth of work done because it's focused time for me. And then when she gets up, it's like, okay, now I can spend time with you. Right. Uh, you know, we're on the opposite end of the spectrum because, you know, the kids are out of the house, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we don't have to deal with that. But, uh, um, you know, but it, it's, I think, creating some of those rituals and actually documenting them so that you, so that you can kind of track and make sure that you're making progress. Because as I'm sure you, you run into, uh, you know, when, when the, the alarm clock goes off at four o'clock, you know, there's that temptation of saying, uh, just, yeah, I, I'm just going to sleep for 15 more minutes, and then you know, two hours later, you realize that you've just blown your your routine for today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's a it's a challenge because to go to bed to wake up at four means we have to go to bed at 10, right? And uh, initially, my wife and I had gotten into a bad habit of we will we because. You know, again, this is us spending time together. We're finally like, oh, we're in bed together. It's like, wow, this is awesome. And we got into this routine because we both love movies. So we got into the routine where we'd have the laptop propped up, right? And we, you know, we open up a, a, our, we use uh, this uh, program or this online uh, movie thing called Voodoo, V-U-D-U. And we'd purchase a movie and, you know, we'd watch a two-hour movie. But, of course, we don't start, we don't finally agree on a movie until it's nine o'clock. Then we purchase it, you know, make yeah, it's pop. It's 11.30. And, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> then, you know, I go to sleep. It's like 11. We finally turn it off and we're going to bed at 11.30, 12 o'clock. Now my whole routine has gotten 
throwing out because one thing that I'm staying steadfast on, which I could easily break because I'm not a person that requires a lot of sleep, is that I have to sleep six hours, regardless six hours. So if I'm going to bed at 1130, I need to add, what's that? So that's an hour and a half after my time, right? So 530, I have to sleep until 530. And then try to try to get some part of that routine in. Um, so it's, 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 it's very challenging. And, and I've spoke, you know, speak to a lot of dads. And one of the things is that entrepreneur dads, in, in terms of the working out piece, it's, it's, it, it feels like if I spend that 20 minutes to go work out, that's 20 minutes I could be working on the business. That's 20 minutes I could be working on the emails. But, uh, and you know, and because you're by yourself, you have to do, you have to do all those things. But you have to realize that that 20 minutes is going to make you more productive. It's going to make you healthier. It's going to sharper. It's more awake, more alive. Um, so it's very important, including the including the time you spent meditating and praying. Like you have to do those things as well because that's going to give you that balance that you need um, so that you could have a productive day. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And and my advice to people is to not try to do it all at once. You know, use a building block kind of approach. If you're going to create rituals like that, start with something simple uh, and, and work forward from there. Well, I apologize. We're at the end of our time together, Joel, but it's uh, been great having you here. Uh, if you're up for it and you can fit it into your schedule, I'd like to have you back another day. And let's uh, let's continue talking about these kinds of issues, because I think especially for entrepreneurs, they're just incredibly important. Yeah, Gary, again, thank you for having me on the show. It's been uh, it's been wonderful connecting with you and finally sitting down and, and uh, being able to chat. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I love the live in-studio times. They're, they're few and far between, but it, uh, the dynamic is, uh, is really, really nice. Watching the body language and really being able to sit down just like a couple of old friends over a cup of coffee right. is, is really, really cool. So we'll have to do it again. With that, we will say uh, thank you very much for, uh, for being with us today. Great that you... Uh, tuned in. Uh, Make sure that you uh, set your clocks and your calendars for 11 a.m. next Saturday morning for another edition of the Gary Smith Show. Uh, Next Saturday, we're going to have uh, Sarah Santa Croce all the way from Switzerland with us, and we're going to be talking about building your personal brand. Until then, have a great weekend. God bless you. Live your life on purpose. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.